talk about this because I think we also want to have a biblical worldview also as well, okay? I also want to talk about a biblical worldview about this issue well, with the shooting. So, And I think I want to talk about this because um, there's certain ministries I want to do that if we want to do, I also realize the risk would also increase. Um, but it's a risk that I also feel that we should not say, okay, we should not do these ministry, but rather we should say we should, but also we need to be wise and also be vigilant also as well, okay? I think um, especially where we live at, um, for those in the local church here in, um, in California, our area is just so whack that even what we do, things that 20 years ago, 30 years ago would seem normal maybe, would even be seen as very extreme. Um, and just a reminder, even 2020, don't forget that there was a church in our own um, city where we're at preaching about biblical values, about, about what is marriage. And they were also, what, bombed by those advocates from the alphabet soups. Uh, people okay so don't think that it's something far out there that's in, it's impossible okay um as we talk about this uh, so today i want to talk about these active shooter situation um because i, I hear from you guys when i minister you guys one-on-one -on -one, and also if non-believers are coming over to be ministered um also i want to talk about this too is, uh, this is not maybe my primary but also as well sometimes when people talk about solution they could offer things that i don't know if it's the most biblical way of solution of going about solving things um, for instance, removing every single tools for self-defense. I don't know if that solves it because the hard issue is, is that of man, okay? So I thought in light of this, again, my purpose, I hope you guys know me enough that um, I'm a gospel preacher first. I'm about Jesus Christ, and I'm not a guy that's advocate certain political agenda first. But in light of this, also the Bible, biblical worldview has implication for how we view um, our world, even the problems in this world, okay? So today, like I said, it's uh, we're looking at this theme of being an everyday Christian in the age of active shooters. And why is this important is this, um, if you guys ever stop and think about, and I know there's been people that have been anxious, um, th those with families, those with kids um, are anxious. And uh, even the question, I want to, why is this important is, have you even thought about what would happen if something like this, God forbid, happens in a context and you were to be there? What would you do? And I think in light of this, this message is important. Okay, so today we're going to have three points. Okay, there's no PowerPoint. Um, I actually want to ask maybe one of you guys, if you guys are interested in later on making a PowerPoint uh, based upon my outline. Um, uh, that'll be, so that way I'm having this to, so I could teach others. Like even later on when we have in our church talking about children's ministry. Um, just also as well with all the Chinese side English congregation and the helpers and volunteers and parents. We know that hey, there's a, we have this as a biblical, hopefully wise plan of what it is that we want to do, okay? So we're going to have three points for tonight, okay? Uh, point number one is we want to see the Bible talks about the importance of vigilance. The Bible talks about the importance of vigilance. Again, the Bible talks about the importance of vigilance. That's point number one. Point number two, the Bible condones self-defense. Okay, I want to talk about the Bible condones self-defense. Uh, I think it is biblical, um, but that also should limit even what kind of things people suggest as solutions to all these things. Does it mean we get rid of disarm everyone? I actually think that implication is probably not biblical because of point number two. The Bible condones self-defense. Okay? And point number three, practical pointers. I also want to talk about practical pointers. Um, specifically, point number three is actually about self-defense when you don't have um, a tool that is armed where it's uh, loaded weapons with guns, um, especially the state we're in, we have a lot of restrictions, okay? Um, we have a lot of restrictions. 
Um, for those of you guys in other states, just to let you guys know, in our county where we're at, uh, no one could actually get a concealed carry. Um, the the sheriffs, even as he's fighting other progressive, he's a progressive, but he's not as progressive as as like some of these woke crazy stuff. But they would not allow anyone else to have that unless they're former officers um, with it. So our rules is very very restricted, and you guys perhaps know a lot more about some of the restrictions. Um, that's so much it's hard for me to even keep up to date um, with some of these things. Okay. Um, but I want to talk about practical pointers for all of us, okay? Uh, let me say this with all these three points and repeat again. I want to look at point number one. The Bible talks about the importance of vigilance. Point number two, the Bible condones um, self-defense. And point number three, practical pointers of what do we do if there is a situation when there's an active shooters, okay? Before we look at these three points, I also want to add some caveat and cautions, okay? Everything I'm saying is not a legal advice. I actually say with everyone where you're at, you find out what it is, the law in your respective states, okay? Each state is different. Uh, for instance, each state is different of what it is when it is legally um, proper to apply force, okay? California might be very different. And where, for instance, in California, if someone in California breaks into my garage, I legally cannot shoot that person because that's not considered my house. That might seem pretty crazy. Some of you guys in other states where, hey, man, if you're in my house or you stand your own um, was that uh, stand where you're at the defense right you don't have to budge and everything else so you have to find out so none of this is legal advice you have to find out where it is respectively okay um, and also I know some of you guys are in countries that you guys cannot even have any of these tools at all okay um, this is also not um, training on firearms nothing here I'm going to talk about firearms about what to do with that okay um, if you do although if you have firearms I would always say you hear me all the time say go get training okay even if you have a background prior Go get training. It's very different, right? The application of firearm policing is very different than military. The application of military is very different than, or, or uh, law enforcement is very different than home defense. It's a whole different animal, whole different breed. There might be things that are adjacent, um, but it's very different with each, okay? Also want to say also as well with this, um, these things can be tricky in the sense that sometimes we share. I know guys here perhaps are better trained or more knowledgeable than I am, it could be possible. Uh, I think it actually is, uh, I take that back. I know some of you guys know more, but I still want this to be a Bible study first, okay? So it's driven by scripture. And I also wanna say um, with this is, these are things that I'm growing and learning with this too, but I'm hoping this is actually for everybody, okay? And also much of the, what I have, some of the practical point is actually in conversation with guys that are far more skilled in these areas of, of application of, of defense more than I am. And I've appreciated over the years, some of the guys' contribution, including some of you guys here this moment, okay? Um, so I don't want to say any of these things is my own wisdom. It's actually from collectively over time with others and, and things of that nature, okay? So that's what it is. Um, but I think uh, first and foremost, I want to say, why well, I want to look at these two points first, where we're going to look at the Bible for this first two points. Number one, where the Bible talks about the importance of vigilance. And also point number two, um, about self-defense. I actually think talking about security is one of those things that is so tricky that people kind of laugh at. Okay, I know, remember, when I used to work security uh, in between jobs with, um, with military and also going to school and stuff like that, sometimes being security is, um, I remember 18 before I joined the Marines, it was 9-11 happened, working, where it was like, wow, everyone talked about security, but then after time, people kind of laugh at it and whatever else. And, you know, rightly still, maybe some of it was at that moment, okay, um, being caught up to make sure but still, I want to talk about these things because um, 
from the last few shootings because again I'm doing this because I'm not a hobby horse I've never really taught on self-defense or anything biblically I'm doing this because there's been so much of you guys and in our church those that are not here and those outside our church non-believers and those that are curious even non-believers even ask me like I said two weeks ago I was like what does your, does your church even think about safety because I can't believe why would a church do this or that and I was like, okay, well, we have, and no details needed. But yeah, we have thought about this. There's things in place, and we're still working on this too. Um, why is it? Because if you think about it, how many of us here go to supermarkets? Raise your hand if you do. Okay. How many of you guys uh, are go to school or send kids to school or grandkids to school? Like we kind of do, right? Okay. Uh, how many of you guys go to church? Hopefully we do, okay? We go to church, okay? Um, so in light of these things, even the last few weeks, there's situations that happen, right? How many of us go out in the public? Even if you say, I'm going to try to avoid being in public, but still you have to go to the airport, right? Or whatever else, okay? We all, or, think, or we do ministry in a specific context, some of you guys, where it's perhaps, well, not perhaps, it is dangerous, where there is some of these things, okay? Um, so I think in light of this, this is relevant, okay? And I also know some of you guys here are also medical situations, uh, in medical work that you guys are with. Um, and even if you guys don't remember her last week, even in Encino, not too far from where we live, um, there was even what? You don't have firearms, but someone could go crazy still stabbing, right? And I know Bo, I was even praying last week, knowing even what we heard about Oklahoma with that medical care facility, right? So in light of all this, in light of some of you guys work and everything else, I think this message is very relevant for all of us, okay? This message is relevant for all of us of what it is we need to do. But the first point we need to see is the importance of being vigilant, okay? The importance of being vigilant. I know in the past when I talk about these safety things, there's sometimes people have laughed at me and say, oh, well, you're, maybe you're over hyper. Maybe the guys that you're with in the English ministry, you guys are just a little bit too crazy just because of your background and everything else. But I actually, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm crazy. I just think we got to be vigilant. But is it biblical to be vigilant? to watch for even concerns and even for threats, right? Um, I'm not even talking about self-defense first. I actually think it's better to talk about vigilance first before even self-defense because if you don't even think it's vigilant to be where to watch for threat, then it makes no sense to even talk about self-defense, right? But is it important to area to be vigilant, to watch, even in our church, even wherever we're at, to even say, hey, to be cautious, um, to watch for the well-being of not only yourself, selfishly, but even for the well-being of others. And I would say yes. If you guys could real quick look, uh, turn with me to Acts 20, verse 28. I think most of Scripture, when it talks about vigilance, it actually is in the context of talking about spiritual vigilance, about false doctrine, false teachers, false prophets, all these, you know, spiritual matter. But I do think, nevertheless, there's implications still, okay? Most of these passages tonight I'm going to look at for the vigilance, part one, is a lot of it is talking about spiritual vigilance. I don't want to get it out of context and force it. But I also think when you look carefully, there's actually dimensions uh, that has implication for even physical safety vigilance, okay? And then there's also um, some verses that has implication for actual physical vigilance from physical violence also as well, okay? So Acts 20, verse 28, if you guys could turn to Acts 20, 28, so I could catch my breath. Could I have as a motivated reader, Chris, I like your voice, to read the scripture, Acts 20, verse 28. The next reader I want to ask to read next would be uh, Mrs. Burton after that, okay? But for now, Acts 20, verse 28. Acts 20, verses 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, 
which he obtained with his own blood. Yeah, so we see here, um, Acts 20, verse 28, right? Be on guard for yourself, for all your flock, right? Um, what it is in context, this is Paul speaking. He's speaking to the leaders, the elders in a church called Ephesus. Um, for those of you guys who are with me on Sunday, uh, our Sunday service, we just finished our series on Ephesians. Um, if let if you guys could pray, what's the next Old Test? What's the next book I want to preach? I want to preach an Old Testament one. But th- that same church in Ephesus, those elders apparently was walking with Paul when Paul is going to go out to Rome. He knows the the next round because of prophecy. He knows that this is the last time he'll ever see these elders in Ephesus. He's never going to see them after this again because of things that he's going to do. And eventually, he will be a martyr for Christ. So, with his words to these elders. He tells them to actually be spiritually vigilant. Notice it says here, be on guard. Notice that verb here, right? It's a command. It's not just a suggestion. It says be on guard. And he actually says be on guard even among yourselves. From among your own elders or elder board, so to speak. There will be those who pursue selfishness and even introduce false teaching and fleece the sheep. Okay, So here we see, is it important to be spiritually vigilant for the uh, for the spiritual well-being of the church and even to watch out there's no false doctrine and no false elders okay i think our church i think um there is vigilance i think um i think our church is very careful in some sense some of you guys are very careful about hey we want to make sure that there's a pastor that preaches god's word and for that i'm very eternally grateful okay eternally grateful for that um i'm grateful that pastor ling even among a lot of chinese pastors here He's known as one that's about the word of God, right? Um, I'm grateful even the new pastor we have in the Chinese congregation. He's a guy that I know loves the word of God, okay? But this spiritual vigilance is important, but also we need to realize that you can't be spiritually vigilant for somebody, spiritual well-being, if they're physically dead, true or not, right? So there is a physical dimension to that, that we have to watch out spiritually for their soul, but you can't watch out for someone spiritually for their soul if they're not going to be what? physically be alive okay so we see here um there is this at the very least i want to show that spiritual vigilance in of itself is a virtue vigilance in of itself is a virtue we could say another way of calling vigilance um if you type in bible gateway vigilance you probably don't see that word but you could see another word perhaps is discernment or guard or watch which appears very very frequent okay let's turn to another one um, Ezekiel 3.17 Now we're going to turn to the Old Testament Mrs. Byrne will read Ezekiel 3.17 Okay, and the next person I want her to ask to read the um, verse Is going to be, if we can um, The next one to read the verse is Bo, would you be able to um, read the next passage After Mrs. Byrne for the next one? Give me a thumbs if you could Okay So for now uh, Mrs. Could you give it to me again Because I was making a note Oh yeah, uh, uh, uh I haven't given it yet. It'll, it'll, I was just saying, just to give a warning, heads up, after Mrs. Burton. But for your passage later, I think it's going to be Ezekiel 33, verse 6 to 7 later. Um, okay, Ezekiel three seventeen, Son of man, I have made you a watchman to the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Yeah. So Ezekiel three seventeen. Um, this is what it says, okay, here. Um, he's uh, telling, this is God telling the prophet Ezekiel that, hey, I want you to be a spiritual watchman. You need to see the dangers of those in the spiritual condition of your country and also tell the people to warn them 
okay, about the danger. So you see here, and again, in the context, this is actually talking about spiritual vigilance, spiritual discernment, and spiritually watching out for the sake of a threat and, and warning others, okay? So is vigilance a virtue? And again, you can't warn somebody if they're physically dead already, right? Because obviously their eternity is already with the Lord and things of that nature, they're dead. Um, but you, I think there's a dimension that, that presupposes obviously that someone needs to be physically alive okay but i also want to show that actually i think scripture actually does talk about explicitly that there is such thing as physical vigilance in terms of watching for actual physical threats okay turn with me now to ezekiel uh, 33 verse 6 to 7 go will read this passage for us ezekiel 33 verse 6 to 7 Did you say six and seven or sixty-seven? Uh, number six dash seven. Okay. Ezekiel thirty-three six dash seven. Okay, here we go. But if the watchman sees that the sword coming, sees the sword coming, and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned. And the sword comes and takes a person from them. He is taken away in, in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Now, as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel, so you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning from me. Yeah. So thank you so much, uh, um, Bo, for reading that. This verse is talking about, notice God is telling that you, Ezekiel, verse 7, you need to be like a watchman. You need to be like a watchman the same way there's a physical watchman watching for the threat. Now, to put this in context, what was going on, um, just to put this in, again, the context socially back then was different than our context. Most of the time in America, when we think about where farmers live, at least in my urban American imagination in, in, in urban California is people live in a nice house with a big field of acres of farmland and there's like a red, 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 big red barn and it's that, that imagery, right? Farming back then for farmers, how they live in the Middle East, in Israel at that time, was people have farmland but they actually live far away from the land. That's their allotted land. There'll be markers and everything because at night when they're done with work, They'll go back and actually live because of all the warfare that's going on. They'll go back into the city and there'll be city walls to protect because they're afraid of enemies coming over. So then at night when everyone comes in, the city gate, the city walls close. Uh, there's city walls high for protection and city gate is closed. And there's watchmen, guys that will pull shifts at night to watch making sure that there's no threat. And then they live within like an urban context and then early morning it'll be open and they'll go out to their field again. Um, you can see a window of that if you look at the book of Ruth. Okay, the book of Ruth, you guys remember, they went out to the field, uh, you know, and then they come back and all, all of that. Just a window of that. So here, when they're guarding at night in the context where there's a lot of warfare, right, where there's a lot of invading armies, all these, and, and Israel's basically in the Levant where geographically, geopolitically, there's all these empires going through. The Egyptians go out there as a highway to conquer um, the rest of the Middle East. The Babylonians, when they want to fight Egyptians, they go through. There's a, it's a highway of sort, okay? So in light of that, what ended up happening, they would be in city gates and it's saying, hey, if there's someone at watch at night, 
and he didn't see a threat, but he's so scared. He says, I don't want to die. I'm, I don't want to warn the thing because if I do, I'm going to perhaps be the first one that die because they will shoot an arrow towards the sound. And then this guy totally neglect, and people die because of that. According to verses 6, what is the penalty? What's the penalty for that? Death. Now, do you guys all think it's reasonable? I actually think it's reasonable. By the way, to put this in perspective, I know our sensibility as we leave more and more away in our society, away more from God's law, the more people in culture and society rejects that. Um, one of the uh, one of the congresswomen in our area, her name is Judy Chu. She actually had a nephew a few years ago um, who joined the Marines, who was actually was an infantryman, and he could he always he kept on falling asleep on guard duty. And you guys perhaps have heard it on the news. It was really big. She went on Congress, did a hearing against the Marine Corps, crucified the Marine Corps, and was saying, my nephew committed suicide because he was bullied. And when he died, he committed suicide. He wrote on his thing that he was being bullied. And later on, it turned out that there were guys that were saying, hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. Uh, you cannot fall asleep. So they hit him and everything else. And I remember during that time, you guys know one of our deacon at our English ministry is named Anthony. He was about joining the Marines. And his dad was telling me, should I let my son join the Marines? And what do you think about the situation? And I was like, oh, you know what? Um, I, I prefer your son to not join the military. But at the same time, if you ask me, that person being hit, I actually think it's right. Because that's someone else's life that you're risking. I rather, at least when I felt when I was in Iraq, I rather that I get killed than let somebody else be killed because I was negligent and other people die because of what I am, what I've done. And that's why I've told stories to you guys, why when I was in guard duty, I would put rocks, Jolly Rancher, everything else, even rocks sucking on it, pretending it is Jolly Rancher. It's better to have a dirty mouth and live and be not fall asleep in guard duty, right, than, than to have someone else's that. Again, is it biblical? We see in verses 6, biblical times with biblical ethics. That's a death penalty, right? It's just a law today of change. We don't take Genesis 9-6 seriously. That for bloodshed, we require bloodshed as a penalty, right? It's because we're away from that, more of everything else, right? And the fruit of that today is things like abortion and all these other things that we have today, okay? But let's go back on with this. We see here, there is this physical vigilance that Scripture is talking about. So scripture here, even though he's, God is eventually saying, Ezekiel, you need to be like this in the spiritual realm. But nevertheless, this affirm that it's important to be physically vigilant. By the way, let me talk about why should we be physically vigilant. It's not only scripture shows this is a virtue from Ezekiel 33. I take this as actually literal, direct, physical vigilance to protect life. Okay? Well, well verses 6. And verse 7 is the spiritual application. It's building from what's true physically to the spiritual. But also another thing is also scripture says, tell us to be wise, true or not. You know, sometimes when a young man says, Jimmy, how do I know it's God's will for something? The first thing I always say is, does it violate God's law? Does God law says to do this? And they say, well, God's word doesn't say to marry this person. Um, it doesn't say thou shalt marry, you know, Nancy Lee, right, with my wife. Then the second thing, how do you know God's wisdom is, uh, how do you know God's will is wisdom? Then the third one is liberty, right? Um, wisdom is that, okay, I talked to my elders. I talked to Pastor Andrew. Um, I know Nancy. I got to meet her parents, Mrs. Burnett and stuff. Okay, I think she's a good fit. And also um, with wisdom, then preference. Then I was like, oh yeah, I do want to. Then boom, that's God's will, right? So if wisdom is a part of God's will, why would we not be vigilant? If we know all those verses in Proverbs, I'm not going to go over them for the sake of time. Tonight, all those verses in Proverbs and elsewhere where it talks about the importance of wisdom, why would we not be vigilant? Let's consider statistics. Let me ask you guys real quick. Um, when it comes to church, um, if 
if there is violence that happens in church more frequently than we think, should we be vigilant? By the way, it should be everywhere else, right? Let me ask you guys this question. This is now open ended. You guys can unmute if you guys want to. How often do you guys think um, there was a study that's been done between 1997, between 1997, correction, 1999 to 2017, that's 18 years. Um, they did a study of all the violence that's involved with church. And the violence is specifically violence. Uh, um, uh, violence in the sense of murder that's happened, attempted murder taking place, suicide, okay, um, arson where there's people in it, so it's not just arson um, where it's just no one there, right? It doesn't count you know, with that, okay, but actually when there's people when they're trying to set it on fire or kidnapping, abduction, or robberies. Um, how often do you guys think, uh, how many times do you think there's many, in how many instances do you think uh, has happened between 1999 to 2017? Anyone want to give a guesstimate? Um, how many inches overall? Probably thousands, honestly. Okay. You want to give a closer number For, of church? Uh, In church I, premise? I church? have no idea. It's probably higher than you would think, though. Okay. Anyone want to be brave enough to get, uh, stab a number? Oh, maybe stab is not the right word. Like, give a number. Anyone? Uh, 1,000. 1,000. Okay. 1,000. Okay. What happened? Who said number? Rebecca, Abigail, which one of you said a number? I said 300. Okay, my daughter, Hannah, youngest one, says 300. Mrs. Burton says 1,000, okay. Um, anyone else? I'll give you a hint. It's actually more than 1,000, okay. I'm pretty sure it's like 100,000, probably. 100,000? Oh, 100, oh, wow. oh, we're talking about only in the U.S., okay. We're not talking about in uh, Indonesia um, and other places, too, and, okay. Um, Josh, you raise your hand. Looks like if you could type in. I don't know if you typed in an answer. I know you have audio sh issues. Okay, um, so I'll just give no, not five billion. That's too much. That's like five billion is a lot. The number actually, and this is only those that are recorded. Okay, those that we we knew about and stuff like that is actually one thousand seven hundred and five. One thousand seven hundred five. To put it in perspective, because it's kind of hard to picture that number. I I don't trust myself with math, so I actually went to a website to say how many week is there from January first, nineteen ninety nine, to December thirty first, two thousand seventeen. And the answer is 991 weeks. So if there's 991 weeks and the number of incidents is 17, uh, is 1,705, that's way more than once a week in America where there's some kind of church-related function, right, with that. So should that mean we should be vigilant in some degree? The answer, I would say, is yes, okay? By the way, just to put this in perspective, the severity of this, of these um, 1,705 incidents between um, and by the way, I actually think the, that has increased. That has ha increased in 2000 onwards, okay? That has increased in North America. There's also our Canadian brothers up north. There's a lot more for various things also as well. Um, but that's, we won't go into that, okay? Um, but among those 1,705, 49% of them actually resulted in death. 49%. That's almost half of these incidents. Okay, and I can imagine some of these things happen where they might not even report it, right? I think generally as conservative, we don't want the government to be involved. If we could solve things on our own, hey, we don't need to get them if, if we could get things with that. It perhaps is even much more. We're not even counting things with threats and that kind of thing of that nature, okay? So nearly half of these events involve someone dying. So in light of this, I think this is why would we not be statistically why would we not be vigilant, okay? Also, I think let's just make this a little bit more personal because if you ever see all these shootings, they always say we never thought it would ever happen in our area, true or not. Just to make this a little bit more personal with this, think about the church in Orange County. 
right? That's not that far that we could, someone here would actually know someone that was affected with it. It's not, it's not within the realm of impossible, okay? And we live in a crazy time, post 2020. I mean, even think about this week, some of you guys were there when we were sharing prayer requests. Someone's home, they just bought a home. Was, you know, someone's trying to break into it, right? 2020 was a crazy time, okay? Um, I don't want to get into details, right? But even this last year, or the 2020, um, there have been times I've actually drawn out my weapon to protect people. Again, I operate on strict rules of engagement. I'm not a crazy cowboy. Please understand, I'm not a cowboy, okay, looking for, for things. I'm one of those guys that wish I would never, when I was in Iraq, I never shot my weapon when others did because I've always felt I need to really make sure life is too precious. I cannot want the peer pressure to fight in combat so much that I would shoot even if I don't see something, right? I'm not one of those cowboys. But nevertheless, what? There's incidents where we have for the protection of life and police was involved in things of that nature for the protection of one of our neighbors that we said, hey, come in, don't freeze, come in for that. So do not picture that is impossible. By the way, even our own church, if you guys have been with us for a while, even post pre-night, uh, our church have been, what, attacked, true or not, that we've had people vandalized in front of it and even one that even wants to do things. We don't have to get there. Um, let me see who's here. Yeah, we don't have to get go to description. So in light of this, should we be vigilant? Yes, okay? So as application, this is what I would say in terms of vigilance. Keep an eye out, okay? Always be discerning. Um, also, by the way, I also would say when you're discerning, um, look more for action and not that the person is different than you, okay? Does that make sense? You're not looking and say, oh, that person does not look like me. Um, therefore, this person is, is, <laughs> is a problem. No, no, no. Look for an action. What is it that they're doing? That is different, okay? So you're not looking at someone that's different than you ethnically or, 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 or they dress differently or subculturally they're different than you. No, look for these things in terms of action, okay? I know you probably, post-9-11 age, who, I know it sounds like a cliche. See something, what do you do? Say something, okay? See something, say something. If you see something, let our deacons know, right? Uh, and by the way, this application is not just only, this is an application for all you guys at work also as well. If you see something, bring it up, say something, okay? Also, want to talk about the church as application for pastors, counselors, leaders, and small group leaders. Sometimes I know people come and vent their hurt and their sin. And sometimes when they vent, they say, "Ah, oh, I wish I could hurt that person." Um, so I, as a pastor, would say, "Okay, you share that." After a while, when they calm down a little bit, I was also say, "Hey, but that's also wrong to say, okay? Um, to bring that up so you don't let this go on, right? Because no one goes out out of nowhere to go shoot up something. It's a thousand hatred." A thousand times, oh, I fantasize in my mind. Nobody could see, but eventually you act out, right? Every major quote-unquote sin, major sin, begins with a thousand, many thousands little small steps to get there. No one does it out of nowhere. It's a thousand major sins uh, with that, getting to there, with that road to get there. So I think even with that is, with that, and by the way, just my own personal litmus test is sometimes people do say, oh, I'm upset with my boss. I want to hurt them or whatever. I'll say, hey, you know, that's, not righteous, that's wicked, or whatever else. But also, the litmus test I would often ask next is also say, hey, um, have you, you say these words a lot. Have you ever hurt anybody before? And the things that I watch out as a big red flag is if they've actually hurted people, that's their family member. If they hurt their parents, and also if they hurt animals, to me, that's a big red flag, that they could actually do things. That's where it's no longer, okay, I'm going to actually mention this and, mention, uh, and talk about this. Does that make sense? Okay, so in light of this, this is what we do. Okay, um, in light of this, so these are things we got to watch out for. Okay, um, by the way, even with counseling, just realize this too. Um, 
I hope you guys realize with counseling, I try as best to keep things private. But if there's things that becomes church discipline, or by the way, this one is, I want to make this very clear. If you hurt kids, there's no such thing as I'm going to keep privacy. I'm going to report this to the authorities, okay? There's no bunch of friends that you could be so friendly, buddy-buddy with me, that no, you're going to go to the authorities. I don't, I don't care how much I love you. We have to do, what I have to love more is kids. There cannot be that, okay? I don't ever, so I hope you guys know ahead of time. There's no such thing as, Jimmy, I'm going to tell you something, you know, like, hey, if is it something that's so serious as hurting kids, you're going to authorities. We, I'm sorry, we, we got to do this. We will preach gospel, but that's the right thing. So with this, we need to know. And also, by the way, sometimes the way we picture church shooting, let me just say this real quick, is we picture it in our, visualize it in our mind, is something maybe like that shooting in Texas. It's inside the building, right? But statistically, 74% of the time where violence takes place is actually outside of the building. It's still in church property, like church parking lot or something like that, or church uh, things, but it's still what? It's outside. So when you're vigilant, don't just think about vigilant who comes in. Right? By the way, if you think about it, a church is a great target. If you're driven by sin, right? The money offering happens, money passed on, right? There's people out there. Christians generally want to be nice. We want to be welcoming. It's great. You know, think about how many multi-level marketing have you ever been hit in your life at church where people come in and say, hey, you know, well, all these things. So think the people are nice, that kind of thing, okay? So here we see also as well um, with, 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 the, with the threat um, there's 74% of the time, okay? Also, people typically think of violence happening during regular church event, like church service. But according to statistics, 61% of the time, it occurs during off hours. I think often those things are like counseling, right? I actually think perhaps a lot of big part of it is perhaps domestic issues, okay? If you guys know anything about Grace Community Church, John MacArthur's church, their first church shooting ever happened was what? They were sheltering someone that was abused, Someone came in, said, I want to find my wife right now. And they're like, well, she's in a place. Well, tell me where. And then he was there with a shotgun in the car waiting. And then he pulled it out on the church security, which they call temple guards. And they just opened up on on him, right? Because he pulled up a shotgun. So oftentimes, it's still sometimes a dangerous, not just primarily in church event. It's actually outside of regular routine hours. So in light of all these things, you got to be what? Vigilant. You got to be vigilant okay um, i try to you guys know i try to counsel with you guys over the phone at my house meet up restaurant but very crazy cases that's where we meet at church right and also if i do um i like to go early just to make sure i'm not going to be hit right so just these little things just to watch out for okay um with that usually with domestic you really have to watch out uh, i think with that um, with those kind of counseling, okay? Um, my rule now is with domestic counseling abuse, I usually do try to let others know uh, with that also as well. Ter- not, I'm not talking about everybody, but there's going to be elders that know and and also pastors, okay? So we got to be vigilant. Hopefully, realize with what I just said earlier, the vigilant, not just inside, but also outside, okay? Um, within the church premise. So let's go to point number two. The Bible condones self-defense. The Bible also condones self-defense, We've now moved from vigilant. By the way, vigilant is not the same thing as self-defense. Sometimes people confuse having a camera system as actually a plan of what happens when someone's out to hurt you, okay? They're two different things. Um, and sometimes if we don't think clearly, we could think, equivocate those two things, okay? I want to say here the Bible actually condones self-defense, okay? The Bible actually condones self-defense, okay? Also as well, okay? Um, 
so with that, uh, we want to go. Um, by the way, um, is the other person still here? I think caller user two it might actually be Caleb. Caleb, let me know um, what your last name is, okay? If you are Caleb, okay? Um, if you could type it in or say something real quick, just real quick. Um, so point number two we want to show is the Bible condones um, self-defense. That's me. Sorry, that's me. Okay, cool. Okay, just want to make sure. Okay, so the Bible condone on self-defense, okay? Let's turn real quick with me to Exodus 22, verse 2. Okay, Exodus 22, verse 2. Exodus 22, verse 2. When we turn to Exodus 22, verse 2, if I could ask James, are you putting down your son, or are you able to physically read at this moment? Thumbs down if you can't. Put Exodus 22, verse 2, okay? Thank you so much, James. The next reader I want to ask is going to be um, Eric. If you can, be my next reader. Give me a thumbs up. Or thumbs down if you can, too. Again, Exodus 22, verse 2. Roger. If a thief is caught breaking in at night and has struck a fatal blow, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. Yeah. So it says here that in the middle of night, if there's someone coming to steal something, if that person ends up losing his life the, in terms of the sinner or, or the thief, then that person that take his life would not be guilty. Now, I know in verse 3 it says during the daytime that person will be guilty. But remember the context. In the context, this was where people are living close proximity within the city walls and he's saying how come you don't also seek other means of also crying out for help that kind of thing okay so i think verses three does not limit self-defense in other ways okay in other contexts but this is a context where you're not um trying to to get help okay that you perhaps are just premeditating and desiring just to kill with that okay but here in verse two we see definitely there is an application of self-defense even up to the point of taking life okay of the point of taking life, but at the same time, I also want to caution that this is not saying okay, it's you know free range, you know for like I said, it's always been my conviction, even as a believer in the military, it's always to say there is a place for violence. Yes, there is an application of violence, but also because people are made in the image of God, I also want to make sure I want to really make sure that I'm uh, that that this is a right application. Just because life is so precious, I don't want to be even making a mistake, um, even if it means being a little bit extra cautious. So I'm a firm believer of the rules of engagement okay um, perhaps more than even some of my other peers with that okay but exodus 22 verse 2 shows in the, the case of self-defense it take uh taking of life is not always immoral and there's a place for self-defense but i also know there's an objection because within exodus i don't want to actually look at this verse as one of the possible objection is if you guys could turn with me to exodus 22 no correction exodus 20 two chapters earlier we know this do we not exodus 20 is what rebecca abigail hannah what the Ten Commandments, okay? Which commandment is it that uh, thou shalt not murder? Thou shalt steal. Which commandment number? Six. Okay, okay. So it is uh, number six, okay? Um, so in verses 13, some of your version says murder. Some of your version says kill, okay? So the objection is, does this verse say it bans all self-defense that ends up taking life? And I would actually say not necessarily. Because the word here for self-defense, the Hebrew word, 
it's interesting. It's never used to refer to um, military context. It's never used to say this is what soldiers do to protect your country. But this word is also never used to talk about when uh, through legal uh, through legal adjudication, where sometimes a penalty is death, capital punishment is administered. And this verse is never used. This word is never used to say oh that uh, in regards to death penalty. So I think in light of this, it's actually referring to taking of life unjustifiably. But there are contexts, as we see here, where the rest of Scripture says there is places where um, the taking of life in certain contexts is morally permissible or morally even a duty even as well. Okay, So I think it's very important to realize this. By the way, another passage that sometimes people have, we have to turn there is Jesus say what? Um, If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other what? cheek but also think being slapped on the cheek is not the same thing as what as taking of life okay as taking of life okay so i think that needs to be very very clear now even when i was in iraq there's times where do the people necessarily always like us no there's been rocks thrown you know and there's been mini little riots where rocks are being thrown but does that mean therefore i engage or any of us pull? no we don't right we, we do not use that Okay, so we need to be realized as a moment where, okay, eh, you know, we'll just get hit, whatever, right? But that does not mean that passage permits someone taking your life um, or even the life of another human being. If you then give someone else's life to be taken away, you, it might be your prerogative to, to, to have, like I think I've shared with you guys, even Islamic uh, evangelism. I do not go at all with the purpose. Uh, my whole goal is if attack is I'm running away because I don't want to be where the news happen to say, uh-oh. Jimmy, this one person, pastor, seminary in training, former Marine outside assaults a person of, of this faith, right? Then it becomes, oh man. So that's a point. It's like, hey, rather be hit, but the bigger thing is just run away, okay, for the sake of the cause of Christ. But that does not mean if someone goes to my house or someone goes to our church to do this when there's kids and women and children. That's a different story. Does that make sense? That's a very different um, with things. There is a place for that, okay? So... There's other times in the Bible also where you see the Bible actually people have weapons to protect themselves. Okay? If you guys could turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 13. Nehemiah 4 13. Chris, if I could have you as a reader again. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 13. And the next reader I want to ask is Ben Wartz if you might be able to be the next reader after uh, uh, Chris. Would that be uh, what, what verse? Uh, you'll be the next one after Chris. Is that okay? We'll just one verse at a time first. Chris? Would you be able to read Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13, when you can? Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall and the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. Yeah, thank you so much. The context is they're building the city wall. Remember, God, through the story of Nehemiah, the context is God has used this guy that's a cupbearer near Nehemiah to actually go back and rebuild uh, make sure that there's a rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem with the city wall under the Persian uh, Empire and when he's doing this there's also enemies that do not want Jerusalem to have a city wall for defense right um, and notice while the wall is being built when there was if you look at verses 11 there's news that there's threats there's enemies that wanted to attack before the wall was built but while this was the case what did he do he realized okay I need to make sure the city wall is a great defense but there's areas that there's gaps when there's not built yet so what do we do so he says hey let's get these guys to be able to protect their own family their own clan some of your versions say clan and so you see what are the weapons that is used 
swords, spears, and bows. Things that are often seen as weapons of war also as well, okay? So you see here how it is used to protect others and others' lives, okay? Also, if you guys could look with me um, five verses later in Nehemiah 4.18, okay? Ben Wartz, if you could read Nehemiah 4.18, okay? Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 18. The next reader I want to ask is, this is Burton. Um. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Okay, yeah. So we see here, right, that while they're building, they're doing two works. They're building with one hand, but the other hand, what do they have? Strapped to the waist is a sword, okay? Is a sword. And I like this one because you see that sometimes security is not the main thing. You Sometimes people say, well, you know what? The most important thing is we reach for the gospel. Yeah, it is true. But also, there's a dimension of also, hey, let's just be wise to make sure there is safety. Does that make sense? So there's a place to be armed with that, okay? Um, and if you're armed, would you want to be armed with the least capable or the most effective tool? I think you want to be the most capable, right? No one would say, okay, to be armed, I want to have the most unsharp. How many of you guys, when you cut a paper, you want to get the paper? When you're a little kid in school, which one of you guys picked the uh, scissors that's purposely rusted and cannot do the work effectively? Like, none of us, right, would want that. You want to be the first one to pick whatever scissors. Why would we do this, therefore, when it comes to the area of one of our most precious commodities, right? People's lives, people made in the image of God. Kids, men, women, and children, right? So there's, this would not make sense. You want to pick something that is the most effective, not the least effective, okay? So we see here um, with this, that they're doing both. It's not either or. It's sometimes it's both. But because the ministry of sharing the gospel is so important, we do want to make sure it's safe and everything else, right? We do this with our kids. We want to make sure that the, the teachers um, don't have no criminal background, etc., right? So why not then we'll go further? There is an area of self-defense, okay? There's an area of self-defense. By the way, I know when we go over this, some people would say, okay, well, that's maybe Old Testament. But what about New Testament? Maybe there's an old thing. And actually, in my view, I think there's perhaps more continuity with the Old Testament law. There's a lot of wisdom to be still be gained from the Old Testament law, okay? We can't just say, okay, well, it's arbitrary. But remember, these were from the Word of God. There's wise principles. Even though, of course, the circumstance, like I mentioned, Exodus 22, verse 3, is not a direct application for us. 22, verse 3 is the one where it says, hey, if someone breaks in your house during the daytime, you cannot kill them. You're in trouble. Well, the context was because they all lived together back then, right? Small quarters, whereas other could come and tackle and also defend, right? But there's implication, there's wisdom behind God's law. We need to believe that, okay? So when we see here, another part is Jesus himself, I think, teaches there's places to have weapons for safety. Turn with me real quick to Luke 22, verse 36. Luke 22, verse 36. Luke 22, verse 36. Mrs. Burton, would you be able to be the reader um, for us for that? Actually, is it okay? I'll read, Mrs. Burton. I'm sorry. Uh, I realize I only have 13 minutes, and I still have point three. Luke 22, verse three, uh, 36, I'm sorry, Mrs. Burton, says, And he said to them, But now whoever has a money belt is to take it along, likewise a bag. And whoever has no sword is to sell his cloak and buy one. Okay. So Jesus here is saying, remember in early Jesus' ministry, the disciples went with no money bag. With you know, They stayed at people's homes, and they were in the mercy of others. It's for them to trust in God. But did that mean for the rest of life, every missionary from now on, never have any money? 
never able to have the extra clothes. No, we would say this verse says no. Jesus allows that after he's, he knows he's going to die. Afterward, from that time on, they could have that. How many of you guys here has a, have a purse or a wallet? Does this verse permit that? Yes. This, notice this verse also permit what? To be consistent. We also, we have cloak, we could wear something warm when it's cold. But we also should be able to have what? As it says here, what? Also even a sword, right? Even with that, okay? So as application, I think there's a place for self-defense, okay? And also um, with that, let's go to point number three now. Practical pointers. This part is going to be, everything I'm going to talk about point three is assuming that there's no weapons of guns. I also don't think guns is for everyone. Right? There's some people that have ma massive anger issue. I think maybe it is not best for them. As a pastor, just seeing that's a reality. Uh, okay, but that doesn't that mean nobody else could have that just because that one person can't. Um, so these are practical pointers of what happens if you're in a situation when there is um, a situation where it gets pretty violent. And I actually say breaking it down is de-escalate things, run, hide, and fight. Okay, these are the things. Most of the time, I think in our schools, we teach kids just only hide, 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 right? But I actually think that actually is very dangerous if that's the only thing. I think the first one is de-escalate, okay? Use verbal judo, so to speak, right? What people often say today, use words to calm them down to de-escalate, okay? But we also think, you also realize with each one of these things, there's limitations. Every one of these things as a, as a strategy has limitation. When you de-escalate with somebody, let's just say they come over, they're very threatening, de-escalating, they seem to calm down. I would actually remind us that the danger did not would not be fully gone until that person's gone you guys heard of the case of dylan roof the guy that shot up went to the african-american church and he shot them up and he actually said afterward he was arrested he almost did not go commit his gun violence because they were so nice they prayed for him they showered him with love in that prayer meeting but so long as he stayed then eventually he would act it out so realize even with de-escalating that does not mean you, you're like, oh, okay, coast is clear. Now we're all up. That's when you say, hey, the goal is also to say, okay, de-escalate, but let's also get him out for the sake of others, okay? Realize that. The other thing, strategy, is run. I think that's the best strategy. Um, even if there is actively things shooting, at least you're moving target versus a, a fixed target, okay? So run, but also have a goal to run, okay? Uh, where a goal is to run. My own personal thing at church, uh, we'll talk about this with serving me. I actually think the best place um, like the military have these things called objective rally points is we already agreed a certain place what happens we, where we go to so I actually think the 7-Eleven near church is an L shape away from church where it's not visible from the church uh, um, second floor if there's anything bad but it's also a way where if there's any area that's very likely to have officers I please don't take this as an insult if there's a very likely area that have officers in our block of our neighborhood it's probably a 7-Eleven and there's also other people, right? Again, this is not insult, you know, but it's just the reality, right? Let's go to that place. It's L-shaped. It's public where there's open, where there's all these other people also as well, okay? So there's a p place. You have a goal, okay? Don't be like a hyena, right? Where you're running, you don't know where you're going, you know? But also be where you go to escape also as well, okay? When when the cheetah comes in, okay? Also as well, um, with this, um, when you do have to hide, uh, I would also say barricade, okay? Actually, the first thing is find out where's a hard corner, you guys know what I mean by hard corner? In every building, there's uh, a room. There's four corners. Which is the corner that is least visible to someone outside of there, right? There's a place where there's least visible to the windows, uh, etc. Or when the door comes in, enter. It takes them an extra body movement, 
wherever that is, make sure you try to be as there as much as possible if you do. I would also say build a barrier. But you sometimes see barrier, you know, on the news when, oh, school shooting, here's this cool, advice, uh, cool device. No, I would actually say keep on building it, right? Stack, if there's a table, stack it where there's chairs and tables and everything else goes all the way from one wall, let's just say this wall, the door, all the way to the other. So there's no possibility of even opening at all. Does that make sense? You're not building a Oh, I saw this thing. This device I bought on Amazon says it really works. It won't open up. No, I'm not betting my life and everyone else's life on it. You continuously build. And I also would say, if you have kids with everything else, also have them grab things. If possible, grab things. Use everything will be a weapon of opportunity because you want them to be mentality of survival, right? That if someone comes over, there's something, okay? And the best thing to grab, if there's a room, grab a fire extinguisher. Because why? You can make smoke and also you could, what, that thing is pretty heavy. And everyone else, grab chairs, right? Grab something. You could, uh, things things that I, I would actually hopefully think the distinction, things that you will always hold on to and things that you could also throw also as well, okay? Um, with that. I know this sounds almost like, you know, classical Greek with those soldiers, with, with you know, hoplites and stuff like that, but we got to think of that way, okay? So also as well, make sure um, you guys talk, constantly communicating, there's others, what to do, right? The wall could be rebuilt again, making it stronger, everything else you're talking about, okay? And if there is, um, if you do have to fight, okay, this is, I also say, this is not about being tough, right? Um, by the way, um, in my own life, I've never entered any fight, I'm a small guy, I'm a really small guy, um, relatively speaking, even in the military. Um, I never went in the fight that I ever thought I would win. I went in because I thought it was the right thing to do. And most of the time I say, okay, I'm going to probably get beaten up pretty badly, okay? There's no need for phony tough with this. I think when things happen, you'll be surprised how things could be so chaotic so fast. So I think the thing is also, like I said, um, you know, um, use everything as a weapon of opportunity. Also attack, when you do, attack the vulnerable area if you do. If they're really a, a perpetrator, right? Head and private area. We'll keep this rated G for godliness because there's kids. But you guys get the area that's most vulnerable, okay? Um, and also, sometimes the best time to attack is also if they're reloading. That's an opportunity, right? That's an opportunity. Throw things at the person if possible. And if, if you need to approach them, um, make sure you're, 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 you're not going straight, but also from the corner. It, you know? And also, even when you run away, right? You don't want to be easy where the least body motion, right? You're moving in such a way that's making it harder for them, the body to keep on adjusting, okay? Um, attacking from the... Um, attacking from the back is obviously the best but if you can't second best is what from the flank from the side but if, but then if you can't do that hey, attacking the front is better than not doing anything okay and even if you do go down guess what you at least maybe encourage others to do things and, and listen like I, I said I'm a small guy there's times when I work security we're doing the right thing when someone is gonna spray paint someone's eye that's when I feel no I have to do something and I'm not the biggest guy but sometimes I feel Doing the right thing, taking initiative, then others who are most skillful would be able to step in, or bigger, or whatever advantages that they have, okay? So I think also, even when it is neutralized, let's just say you neutralize with that, I think this last part is also, don't play hero right away. What If you have something that hurts someone, hey, make sure it's no longer in your hands. Because when the law enforcement comes in, I think the best mentality is to realize they're probably going to rough you up because they don't know who's the threat. So realize that. Don't have like, hey, guys, I'm the hero. When everyone says, get down, he's like, hey, I'm the hero. I said, bam, bam. You don't want that. You don't want that for them. You want and want it for yourself and for others. The goal is to live, to be able to evangelize another day. Amen. So we also need to realize that there's no pride or ego in that moment. Just let it be. Um, let them come in and realize they're not going to know who it is. They're going to be rough. It's okay. It's not about your ego. It's about that everyone else is able. 
to be what made in the image of God and are okay. Okay? So those are the pointers. Let me stop at this point. I don't know we only have four minutes, but I think this is important to share. Any questions, comments, and concerns, and things to add?